Welcome to Today on Broadway for Monday, February 27th, 2023. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tiamanini. And I'm Tell Me on a Sunday podcast, Grace Aki. Grace, if people were paying attention, over the weekend we had a number yeah. of episodes come out in the podcast feed. First, I had two very special episodes, one that I really enjoyed doing. The first one was with the always incredible Jennifer Cody, who is leading mm. a production of a comedy of tenors at the Vero Beach uh, Theater, the Riverside Theater. Um, she is one of numerous Broadway alums on the stage, and it shows they are absolutely fantastic. It is so much fun. Uh, the play is running in Vero Beach through March 12th. I have information for how you can get tickets in the show notes for that episode, but it was great. And then the other episode, I talked with Samantha Polly, who's been a guest before. Um, she has a I saw red- her last night. That's oh, did wild. You really- oh, at the <laughs> at the birthday party, right, right, right. Yeah. Um, so she has she's got this monthly residency at Chelsea Table yeah. and Stage. It, the next one is coming up tonight, Monday night. And what's great about it is, is not only can you get tickets to see her in person, but you can get live stream tickets. And she didn't even realize this until the last one she did in January, but she said that what's great about it is it is a live stream but once you buy the ticket you don't actually have to watch it live so if you buy the ticket you can watch Mm. it whenever after the fact and like multiple times because people have been watching her christmas one that she did in december all the way through so yeah so (laughs) so very cool not only is sam going to be doing um her show but she has a couple guests both former broadway radio guests jelani remy and the phenomenal eden espinoza she just gushed about how much she loves eden and like grew up as like eden Mm -hmm. being her alphabet so really great conversations and of course always on sunday we have uh this week on broadway and just because i'm looking at the broadway radio website right now it appears that last Wednesday, the episode where Ashley and I talked about Laurie Metcalf and Tatiana Maslany returning to Broadway in the Grey House. Yeah. Apparently, that was my 1700th episode of Broadway <gasps> Radio. So 1700? Are you okay? No. 1700 episodes of Broadway Radio uh, for me. I'm now at seven, this is 1704. So if uh, your loved one have been diagnosed with <laughs> 1700 episodes of Broadway Radio, please. Yeah, and you can hear them all before you can hear them anywhere else. If you head over to patreon.com slash Broadway Radio, Broadway Radio.com slash Patreon. All right, Grace, this was a very big announcement that came out on Friday for a certain subset of both pop music and theater fans. I do not happen to be in either of those subsets, but it was a big deal for a lot of folks. But it was announced that the Jonas Brothers are coming to Broadway in a five-show residency taking place at the Marriott Marquis Theater, running from March 14th through the 18th. What they're going to be doing, it's five nights. So they're going to do one night where they feature each of their five albums, Jonas Brothers, a little bit longer, Lines, Vines, and Trying Times, Happiness Begins, and the album. Tickets are not yet on sale, but there is a Ticketmaster verified fan pre-sale-y thing, which you can sign up for at JonasBrothers.com. Of course, Nick Jonas has a long history uh, on Broadway with Beauty and the Beast and Les Mis and Hairspray and How to Succeed in Business, and then we won't talk about that really, really awful performance in the Les Mis 25th anniversary concert, but that's neither here nor there. Um, So this was a big deal for a lot of folks. The last time we heard about something like this was with Weezer, and then they canceled because I guess they realized it was really hard and really expensive to do a five-show residency on Broadway. I don't think the Jonas Brothers are going to have that problem. Um, But Grace, I don't know this about you. Are you a Jonas Brothers person? You seem to be at least in the right age demographic for that. No, it was a little after me. I'm not going to okay. lie. All right. Um, yeah, it was a little after me. I watched the Joe Bro show. I parodied when I was like a, a Bible school uh, teacher. I right, parodied sure. um, Burning Up, if you want to be imaginative with how I <laughs> may have put that into a Bible. Setting. I really don't want to. I really don't want to imagine that. No. 
experience of the Jonas Brothers is a little different, but um, I do enjoy them. And I actually enjoy them, enjoy them as adults versus like who I knew them as like the camp rock kids. Again, it was after my time. But um, yeah, I'm I'm excited for this to happen, especially knowing like how many millennials now have the funds, hopefully, to go see them on Broadway. But you're right. The first thing I thought of was the Weezer residency. And I was like, mm, RIP. I don't know. This is hard. And it's also like in two weeks. It's not. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, how are they going to? That's just such a fast turnaround. So I hope that they can sell with, that out. With all due respect to Weezer, who I have been a fan of for probably close to 30 years. They're not the Jonas Brothers. And I have a feeling that at the Marriott Marquis Theater, which seats oh, what I have the I have my spreadsheet. I can it's a pull lot. up. Yeah, but it's not. Jimmy Buffett packed it out for a bit. Yeah, but I mean, it's not like, let's see, Marriott Marquis, where is my list here? Marquis, it's a, it's, it has 1,612 seats. I feel like the Jonas Brothers can sell 1,612 seats five times. Like, I think they're okay. I, I, I don't think that that's going to be a problem for them to sell that one out. Do you think it might be an issue? No, I only say that because of the timing, the like yeah, the proximity of the fact that a lot of people are seeing like Taylor Swift as tour yeah. and um, it's that. So it's just more of like the challenging time of like the announcement to availability date. Like there was no way to be like, all right, start saving. Tickets are going to go on sale in two months. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like, you better just show the hell up. <laughs> are they going to throw in some show tunes? Though? Like, if you're going to be on Broadway, you should, you should throw in some show There's tunes. There's no way he's not going to. And that's why I said that Rob McClure was going to show up because yeah, they're good you buddies. Texted this. Yeah, Rob McClure yeah. used to like, when when he was doing theater and Nick was doing theater, like, Rob in McClure Philly? and Philly, well, they lived in Philly. Oh, they and, lived but, in Philly, right? Yeah, and they were doing shows in New York. Like Rob would literally drive him, drive Nick Jonas home every night. I think they like were like next door neighbors, or like they did like some sort of local theater together. Rob McClure was like his baby, their babysitter, or something. So there's a long history of Rob McClure and the Jonas Brothers, specifically Nick, just being in each other's lives. So I hope Rob McClure shows up. That would be very fun for a lot of folks. All right, moving on. Something that came out of nowhere, uh, Grace. You and I have talked quite a bit off air about like what's next for Kristen Chenoweth because we've heard things. This Lots is of things. this is not a thing that we had heard. Not a damn peep, y'all. <laughs> we had not heard about this first. And and it came I mean, okay, sorry. Go on. Yeah, no, no, no. Okay, so on Friday, an exclusive to Deadline reported that a new musical based on the award-winning documentary The Queen of Versailles was not only in development it was getting an industry reading in a month. On March 24th, there will be an industry reading of a musical version of The Queen of Versailles starring Kristen Chenoweth. If you're unfamiliar with this documentary, it chronicles um, the life of beauty queen, socialite, and TV personality Jackie Siegel and her husband, uh, David Siegel, who are the owners of the Westgate Resorts, um, which is you know a huge, big resort company. They were trying to build the largest private home in America 30 minutes from where I live in Orlando, in Windermere, Florida, a $100 million house inspired by the Palace of Versailles. Yes, that Palace of Versailles. But they ran into a bunch of problems when the recession hit in 2008. This has become a, a like one of those ridiculous documentaries where everybody like 
gawks and and like has whiplash with the schadenfreude of all of these like really rich people's lives kind of going off the rails but Kristen Chenoweth is going to be playing Jackie Siegel the music for the show is being composed by Stephen Schwartz the book for the show is by Lindsay Ferentino who wrote Ugly Lies the Bones and Amy and the Orphans who we've talked about recently because that's getting turned into a film the direction is by Michael Arden so this isn't like a hey, we got the rights, we're going to write this thing. This is like, this is actually happening. And it is, like I said, a New York reading on March 24th. And they say it's going to be aiming towards an out-of-town tryout in the very near future with additional details to be announced soon. Grace, as I said, you and I have been talking about other things that Kristen Chenoweth has been attached to. And let's be honest, there's been a ton of musicals over the years that Kristen Chenoweth has like publicly been attached to, like not only in rumors, but like with press releases, everything from like um, a Tammy Faye Baker musical to a uh, Best Little Whorehouse in Texas revival. And then some things maybe not as well publicized. None of them have happened, but this seems like this one is actually moving forward with a workshop date and some very, very big names on the creative team. When I tell you all, that I love the Queen of Versailles documentary. Oh, okay. I've watched it three or four times at this point. And I don't know if you all knew this, they've revisited. There's like a kind of like a revival of sorts, new season right now oh, um, on Discovery Plus. I had to download the app just to watch it because you have no idea. <laughs> I could have given you, I could have given you my password. It's fine. No, and I'm so sorry. Um, but it, it's it's really wild because you watch these people in real time. You're like watching it going, no, 2008 is coming. Like she's like ordering marble. She's like buying birds um, for this house. It's it's insane to your point, like just like just gutting Florida. Um, and she like goes to the zoo. It's, it's, a, it's a mess. But she's like a fascinating person. But her relationship is also like really hard to watch with her husband. Um, you know, it just and, and all their kids. I don't know how this is going to translate on stage i hope this isn't the like american story version of like here lies love or Mm. you know evita do you know what i mean like where it's like this woman who like has like had all these different things like spun at her but at the end of the day like the the decadence like ruined that you know what i mean like there there seems to just be this like weird through line with like how we put these women in musicals for some reason. I don't well, know. And I can't Grey gardens as well. Yeah. Like the way I can. And, and those are real people. All of these people are real people, you know? And so I, I'm just curious, like what their estate and family feel about this. Cause Kristen Chenoweth is an incredible actor. It has, I have no doubt that she can carry this type of story. Um, it's just like a really, it's actually a challenging subject matter. Like at the end of the day, it's not like I want to laugh at this woman. You know what I mean? And if they're going for a comedy, yeah. I think that that's really hard. Um, so I'm very curious. I would love to to hear and see some of, some of what they're working on for sure. I think by getting a playwright like Lindsay Ferentino and a director like Michael Arden, yeah. like I think that that probably adds a little bit to the to the idea that this has a little bit more heft to it. Um, obviously Steven Schwartz can write anything like, but he is like a musical comedy guy. Like normally that's like what you think of him as, although he has done other things as well. So I generally we get Kristen to play the comedian, even though I thoroughly believe she can do anything she wants to. Absolutely. Um, But yeah. Yeah. So I think that that having Lindsay and Michael on board like that, at least reveals a little bit of of the fact that this is going to be something a little bit different and let's be honest like if you are doing something with that type of opulence 
in it. I don't know that there's anybody who can attach that creatively aside from like maybe Alex Timbers than Michael Arden because of how creative he is in his staging. So I'm very interested to see. Obviously, we won't hear about this in the workshop necessarily, but when they finally get this on stage, I'm I'm very interested to see what Michael Arden does with this kind of story. All right, real quick, I'm going to run through last week the 66th Obie Awards announced their winners. And what's interesting about this is the, the winners were from 2020, 2021, and 2022 season. So there is a lot of stuff going on here. They did look at 400 different productions over the last three years and kind of ran through some of the words. I'm not going to give you all of them, obviously, but I will give you some of the big ones. Let's start with the best new American play that went to Sanaz Tusi's for English from the Atlantic Theater Company and the Roundabout Theater Company. Playwriting went to Martina Mayok for Sanctuary City from New York Theater Workshop. There were three honorees for direction, Taylor Reynolds for Man Cave and Tambo and Bones. Uh, Awoye Tempo for The Wedding Band at uh, Theater for a New Audience and her work as the founder of Classics. And Matt Ray, who did the music direction and composition for The Hang with Taylor Mack at Here. Um, mm. Sustained achievement in directing uh, Sahim Ali for Nollywood Dreams, Merry Wives, uh, Romeo A. Julieta and Fat Ham, and then David Brimmer for Wolf Play. Um, performance, uh, Stephanie Berry and Lazan Mitchell for On Sugarland, Brittany Bradford for Wedding Band, Kara Young for Twelfth Night, Arturo Luis Soria for Nimi Madre, and then Sustained Achievement in Performance, Billy Eugene Jones for On Sugarland and Fat Ham, Andrea Patterson for Colored Water, Confederates, and Seize the King. And then there were some Special citations, basically the entire sound and music team for Oratorio for Living Things, especially led by Heather Christian, the creative team and ensemble for Fat Ham, the creative team and ensemble for English, uh, Aya Agawe for the Nosebleed at Lincoln Center Theater. Then a bunch of design ones. Alex Edelman. Uh, Gracie, you and I saw Alex Edelman together, right? For Just For Us? Yeah, Just For Us. That was such a special night at the, the Cherry Lane front row. Yeah, love that. So he got an award there. We, of course, will have a link to all of the winners for the uh, 66th Annual Obie Awards if you want to check those out in the show notes. And then here's a thing that I, I'm guessing is a thing. I mean, it's definitely a thing, but it might be a bigger thing. I'm not sure. But on Friday, we got a very short press release that said that the upcoming Broadway Center Stage production of Kiss of a Spider Woman has been canceled at the Kennedy Center. Apparently, this is because of, quote, future plans for the show following prolonged conversations with the rights holders. So it seems like the people who own the rights to this show have other intentions for Kiss of the Spider Woman and think that the production that has previously been announced at the Kennedy Center might interfere with those things. Now, Grace... We have we know that these productions at the Kennedy Center are huge and they can become springboards, at least we think, for shows moving to New York. The only one that we've heard, we haven't had any yet, but they did have I don't know if it was actually Broadway Center stage or not. I think it might have been. We think chess might be coming to New York later this year, which had a Kennedy Center run. Um, so so if they're canceling the D.C. one for future plans for the show, that has to mean they're thinking about New York, maybe London, but probably New York, right? Yeah. Okay, so that's I'm a... not sure. No, okay. no, I don't know, but I think I think everything your your hunches are correct. I mean, it's 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 been definitely like talked about in the community, and and I'm just I am curious as to as to why now, 
you know, the the cancellation, especially given like the Sunset Boulevard um, yeah, success huge. and yeah. huge. Um, so, yeah, it's very curious, curious and curious. Yeah. So there will be on Tuesday tomorrow, a new production to fill the May 12th through 21st slot um, will be announced. So we will get another show in the spot in the slot for Center Stage's season. We just don't know what it is. I don't I mean, look, Kiss of the Spider Woman is great. Candor and Ebb are great. But like that just feels like a really tough show in this commercial environment. Maybe at a not for profit, maybe maybe a roundabout revival would be great. Um, I just don't know if I think Kiss of the Spider Woman, even with a huge star, it would have to be like a huge, huge star for me to feel comfortable with that as a commercial production. But yeah. we, we shall see. All right. We have a ton of stuff in this week's theatrical schedule, so I'm going to run through it as quickly as humanly possible. Um, Betty Smith's Becomes a Woman, which is a previously never published or produced play by the author of the novel A Tree Grows in Brooklyn that will um, officially open on, I think, Monday night, tonight. Yeah, it will uh, open tonight from uh, the Mint Theater Company. So there is that. Also happening tonight will be the opening of Letters from Max, Sarah Rule's play directed by Kate Warriski. And then also opening tonight is Illyria, the new play from Deepa Perohit uh, and directed by Owoe Tempo, who just won an Obie Award. That is at the Atlantic Theater Company. Happening on Tuesday night is the opening for the return engagement of The Jungle at St. Anne's Warehouse in Brooklyn. I saw it, at, hell, I don't know, 2018, 2019 in one of its first runs at uh, St. Anne's Warehouse, a show about refugees um, living in refugee camps. Absolutely an amazing show. I sat on the floor for it. It was very cool. Then previews begin on Tuesday night at the Public Theater for Dark Disabled Stories, which is a show by Ryan J. Haddad, which is an autobiographical play about living in a city and a world that's not built for his walker and cerebral palsy. Then happening on Wednesday, March 1st. Yes, March 1st is on Wednesday. We will have opening night for The Best We Could, a family tragedy off-Broadway from the Manhattan Theater Club with an absolutely incredible cast, including Aya Cash, Constance Schulman, and Frank Wood. Um, then on the second, we have the first Broadway preview performance of the revival of Bob Fosse's Dancing happening at the Music Box Theater. This is being directed by uh, Wayne Salento, and it is uh, a reproduction of Bob Fosse's original choreography for the show. Then happening on Sunday, we have an opening of The Trees off-Broadway from Playwrights Horizons and Page 73, written by Agnes Berinsky and directed by Tina Sater. And then finally, we will have the first preview production or pre first preview performance of The Seagull slash Woodstock, New York, which is um, Thomas Bradshaw's adaptation of Chekhov's The Seagull. So you will definitely want to check that out. I have information in the show notes for all of those things if you want more details on how you can get tickets and you can be there. All right, Grace, you had two um, cabaret-ish uh, recommendations that you wanted to get to, and then I had one more at the end. So tell me what you've got. Okay, so first I have a show coming up here on Tuesday um, at the Public Theater's Joe's Pub. Um, fingers crossed that I can finally see a show at Joe's Pub because I famously, it just never happens. So this is Disorientalism Part 3, Michelle Yeoh versus Godzilla. Um, <laughs> well-timed, I mean, well-timed. There's there's not a better title in, in the canon um, at Joe's Pub right now. Uh, it's it's incredible artists. It's definitely like, you know, an Asian-centric um, cabaret, like variety show. Um, but it's a popular series and this is Part 3. So 
if you are in the city around then, um, go take a chance on uh, this show on February 28th at 7 p.m. Uh, a few tickets left, not many. Yeah, not many. Um, like less than many. a dozen. Yeah. But I'm just saying it's going to be a fantastic time. So so make sure that you have that on your radar for next time if you don't get tickets this one. And then the other is for Vibu. Uh, I, I love her work. Um, she's doing Pure Brown Noise, her own like cabaret solo concert um, at 54 Below in March. And tickets are like really inexpensive. This Starting doesn't get at to 25 happen. bucks. Yeah, exactly. This is uh, Vibu Mohan's Pure Brown Noise featuring Ren Rivera, who I saw their solo concert last month. And it was incredible. But this is March 12th. So you've got a little bit more time than the other one I just named. Uh, but lots of like really great, um, fantastic talent that you might not be as familiar with, but you should. Yeah. Her work is is just on that like new cusp of musical theater. And it's always exciting to me to see a show full of like South Asian actors that I've never heard of before. And of course, you're going to have the option to live stream that as well. So if you can't make it into the city for that, make sure that you get um, tickets otherwise. Something that I'm going to recommend that you were actually at in person was, I think it was, was it Friday? I think it was Friday. Um, uh, They did the press preview for Lincoln Center's upcoming Broadway revival of Camelot. And all of the creatives were there, Bart Shear, Aaron Sorkin, and they did three numbers, I believe. They had Andrew Burnap yeah. and Philip Asu singing the title song, uh, Camelot. Camelot. Uh, Jordan Donica singing um, If Ever I Would Leave You. And then Philip Asu singing The Lusty Month of May. I texted you after yeah. I saw <laughs> the Philip Asu video. And I was like, look, I've said this before. Like, I didn't see... Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812, either on Broadway or off Broadway. So, like, Hamilton was really my only introduction for Philippa Sue. And she was great, but she was not, like, this ever the center of, of the story in that show. So when I saw her in Into the Woods, I was like, okay, she's, like, an incredible actress. And But then when I saw her do The Lusty Month of May, I was like, oh, I get it at an, on another level now because oh, yeah. that was – that was hot. Like that's not supposed to be a hot number, but that was hot. (laughs) Um, So we will have links to all of those videos in the show notes. To be honest, Jordan Donica's if ever I would leave you was so freaking stunning in the room that I thought with no costumes, with no set, with nothing, I was transfixed. I said, that's what sold me. I I really, I mean, Philip Sue like doing Lusty Month of May was so hot and it was so great. Um, but it really was Jordan's number of like, God, he's so brilliant, stunning. So I'm I'm really excited. And seeing the the cast all together yeah. was a really beautiful moment. I and not to be like a visual person, but it actually meant a lot to me that I felt there was a lot of representation in the room. Uh, I didn't expect that for Camelot. I didn't expect that for I, I don't expect it ever. So it's not a comment on like Lincoln or anything like that. Um, but it was kind of a really nicely balanced cast, it seemed. Um so I, I'm really curious and excited about this production again, like another another huge revival coming uh, into the season. It's kind of act. I mean, we've said it a, a billion times. I'll say it one more time. This is the most competitive Broadway season I've ever seen. Yeah. And um, this one, you know, we had Parade open last week. We've got Sweeney opening. Um, and then we've had got Into Kimball the Woods. We, into we the got, Woods is this oh, season. Into the well. Yeah. Um, well, it's yeah. a lot. Yeah. It is a lot. It is a lot. So I'm excited and curious, and I am so excited that I got to see that little preview. So yeah, we'll we'll keep you updated. 
All right, everybody, that's all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW. Matt, Grace, where can people find you? You can find me on all social media platforms for the time being at It's Grace Aki. I love that you always throw in for the time being. You uh, never know when shit's going to hit the fan. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, who knows? All right, have a wonderful Monday. Have a wonderful week, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.